beautiful day in the neighborhood. We, for now going on four plus weeks, have been celebrating a pattern of learning from the great American prophet, Fred Rogers, lessons for our life of faith. What can we take from Nordane Presbyterian to the ministry of television for families and children and apply that to gospel learning and who we are meant to be? And this Sunday, we are looking at who is my neighbor in the hope that we can move forward and talk about the idea of serving. But where we've been, we talked about the idea of sacred worth, of seeing ourselves as God sees us, as Mr. Rogers saw us, and learning to love ourselves and our neighbors. We talked about being honest with ourselves, the power of honest and authenticity, that that's something that we can offer to others in the world in a transformative way. We talked about the creative energy of God and learning to tap into that. Last week we talked about ritual and routine and some of the rituals and routines in the life of the church that help us to know who God is. But it's Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. So the question we asked this morning is, who is my neighbor? Who is my neighbor is a biblical question. There's no escaping it. If you took your, your personal Bible out and you flipped to any number of pages, you would find, jumping off the page, a story about being neighbor. An interesting aside, the Hebrew word that we translate neighbor truly does mean companion or friend. It's somebody you know that's close. It evolves by the time we get to the New Testament and Aramaic and then translation into the Greek. It becomes simply someone who is near, whether they are your companion or your friend. It's just who is there. It's to differentiate, by the way, from the stranger who is not. And oh, by the way, we have a biblical mandate to welcome and encounter the stranger and the neighbor. The word we use, neighborhood, neighbor, comes from an old English word. And maybe like me, for a while, you thought that maybe the boar part of that was important. We have an old English word, boar, B-O-O-R, which means a, 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 a straining person, a bad person, a terrible person. The kind of neighbor whose yard is unkept, whose dogs are loud, whose music is terrible, whose car is always dirty. They're a boar. That's actually not where the word comes from. The old English word comes from the idea of nay, which means to be near, and gabor. That's where the G in the word comes from. Gabor is the dweller near us, or maybe the peasant near us, or the farmer near us. The person who's just like us, who's laboring just nearby, that's who our neighbor is. But it's a question that's truly at the heart of our scriptures. Flip anywhere you want to. The Old Testament, Leviticus says this, you shall not go around as a slanderer among your people. You shall not stand up against the life of your neighbor. I am the Lord. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you incur sin because of him. You shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against the sons of your own people, but you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. Maybe you flip over to Proverbs, these instructions for life well lived. It is a sin to despise one's neighbor, but blessed is the one who is kind to the needy. You wander into the Gospels, Matthew will tell us, so whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Or maybe the epistles, Paul's letter to the Romans. Oh, no one anything except to love each other, for the one who loves another has fulfilled that law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, and any other commandment are summed up in this word. 
You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Jesus was asked in the Gospel of Luke, Who is my neighbor? As if it was somehow hard to see or identify. The peasant at hand. The farmer nearby. The one who dwells near us. And the story he tells is of a beaten person. A vulnerable person. A broken person. And then he says there are two people, very religious people, who know and love God, who walk around that person on the other side of the road rather than giving help, but there is one and he's not the hero you think it's going to be. It's our regular bad guy, the Samaritan. But that good Samaritan helps, binds the wounds, gathers the man up, takes him to an inn and provides resources, his own real money for his care. He says, if you need more, care for him and I will bring more back. Jesus looks the questioner in the eye. Who was this man's neighbor? Well, the one who did the good thing. The unlikely Samaritan. Oh, you're so close to the truth, Jesus said. Who is our neighbor? Or perhaps for me, one of the more fascinating texts on it, from the book of Hebrews. Chapter 13, it's our text for this morning, and it reads in this way. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for so doing, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison. Those who are mistreated as if you, you yourselves are suffering. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Consider the prisoner as if you're there with them. Consider those who are mistreated as if you yourself were suffering. How different would our world be if we could find our way into that kind of empathy? If I looked at even just the prison that's just up the way, and wonder about the stories there, the lives led, the violence done, the drugs sold, whatever the case might be, do I find my way into the heart of God and imagine myself there when I see the suffering of others? When I look at those people that bridge to home or family promise or any of our ministry partners serve who are less fortunate than I am, do I see myself as somehow above or can I somehow suffer with? That's the true meaning of compassion. What a powerful idea the Bible has for us about what it means to be a neighbor, what it means to take seriously the idea that we will encounter those dwellers nearby in a powerful way and we will learn to love them as we love ourselves and we will learn to see them as God sees them. It's a unique challenge. Some of you may know I love poetry. I read a poem every day. One of my favorite poets is Robert Frost. I don't remember the exact context of it, but I'll lean into the part that I remember and, and like quite a bit. It's in a poem that starts out by saying, when you're going from nowhere to somewhere, it's about development in your life, uh, but the middle section of it talks about the idea that beware of treating God as a critic who treats others harshly, but you with generosity. How we see the world matters. 
Do we look at everybody else and say, oh, God hates you, God hates your choices, God hates your pattern of life, God wishes better for you, but God be generous when you turn that lens on me. You know all the reasons that I'm this way. So I lean into your grace and forgiveness. Do we look at the neighbor and offer them that same mercy? That's the power of this idea for me with Fred Rogers, by the way. This program for 30 plus years was called Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. It's an intentional choice. It invites us into an experience of his place. And he imagines it as a neighborhood in Pennsylvania, craftily put together. He says, whether or not we dwell next to each other in this moment, we are going to be neighbors to one another. We're going to come together. His series, his show was always about the idea that we are the same, but we are different. For all of the things that make us different, the color of our skin, our our legacy, our heritage, our background, our life choices, who God has called and equipped us to be, those we love, and anything we might do that might make us different, we are still neighbors together. We are still the same. And we're worthy of love. And we should show others love. Mr. Rogers' neighborhood invited a pattern that says we must care for the vulnerable in our midst. Those people who feel displaced, cast out, who are struggling and afraid, the people that we normally don't put on camera, the stories we don't normally tell, those are people in our neighborhood. We must see them. One of the stories that struck me yesterday at Jerry Larson's service, he was the children, youth, and families pastor at Los Altos long before I was. He had almost 25 years at that church. And uh, a mother got up and read a letter from her daughter who was not feeling well and couldn't join us, so she shared her daughter's words. Her daughter was in Jerry's confirmation class. Powerful time. That adolescent journey of deciding is the baptism that my parents have provided for me something I want to claim and confirm as myself? Do I see myself as a full child of God and a full member of the church in which I participate? And over the 13 weeks that they spent together studying and praying and unpacking these wells out of which God draws story and passion, this young lady sat down in Jerry's office and said, I'm not sure if it's for me. I have questions. I don't fully understand the resurrection. I don't fully understand the virgin birth. Can I still get confirmed if I have doubts and questions? Jerry looked at this vulnerable young lady. He said, do you believe in the teachings of Jesus Christ? What he stood for, who he was? Yeah. Do you long to do likewise? That's something that you'd like to do in the pattern of your life? Well, yeah. Then there is always a place for you here. Seeing, caring for the vulnerable. The word neighborhood is the perfect word to use for his vision. Because it's invitational. Come and be. We might not be neighbors, but come and be mine. Let's share story together. Let's learn together. Let's learn about an instrument I didn't know about. Let's visit a place I've never been. Let's unpack our feelings, our emotions, and our energy. Come and be with me. That invitation is powerful. 
It's the pattern of the life of Jesus. Come and see. Come and follow. Leave your nets and I will make you fish for people. Come and be mine. Mm. Invitational. In that spirit, I want to invite one of your neighbors to come join me up front here. So Scott, if you'd come at this time. This is the interactive portion where I put somebody on the hot seat other than me. He can handle it. He'll be fine. This is Scott Mocha. You have a fan club. They're all over there. (laughs) Thank you for being here today. And uh, Mr. Rogers' pattern was often to have people on his show. Rare was the time when it was just him talking to the camera. He would go out and ask people about their experience, about their story, about their journey, about their lives. And I thought we'd model that this morning. So, a softball question for you. What makes a good neighbor, Scott Mocha? Well, we we live in a flag lot. We have uh, two or three houses that are our neighbors. Mm -hmm. And so we we actually have like a showcase of each that makes them wonderful. One prays for us. And he's he's a little bit... um, aggressive in getting to know us, so sometimes he's a little annoying, but he prays for us. He's and the bore. Yeah, he's yeah. great. And then we got another couple that just moved in. They're, they know us really well, but they give us distance. Mm. So that's like they don't get into our lives too much, but if something's wrong, they're always there. And they are some of our favorite neighbors. So That's beautiful. That's beautiful. What makes the church a good neighbor? Or maybe a better neighbor? What makes the church a good neighbor? I think one of the things that that this church does particularly well is it makes itself known. Mm. We, we have this wonderful uh, sign out in front that says, no one belongs here more than you, or it says a number of different things. Uh, but I was talking to another pastor not too long ago, talk, talking about his church, and I told him where I went to church, and I said, hey, we're here to help you if you need anything. And he said, isn't that what you guys do? Isn't that the whole thing, your hashtag here for good? And I was like, man, <laughs> that's awesome, you know? That's what I think being a good neighbor is, is being here for the good of the people around us, the communities around us, the neighborhoods around us, no matter what they believe. That's awesome. One of my early memories with Scott and the Mocha family was that uh, we took the opportunity at at their invitation to be on a team together last year for keeping it local. Uh, We had a goal of winning on a more competitive model. Do you remember the name of the team? Huh? The name of the team. The winning team. It was the winning team. Hashtag, yeah. So... We've shifted a little bit in terms of our vision from the competitive edge for uh, keeping it local this year, but we had a ton of fun, and it was a great way to get to know you and other folks in this church and to connect. But I wonder, as we think back on, on that experience and knowing that it's an invitation for us to be a neighbor here today, what's something that struck you about last year? Maybe something you learned about our neighbors, the neighborhood, the community that you didn't otherwise know or think about? Well, there were a few things. One was to go talk to local vendors and to really to like interact with them as a church, like um, I don't know, there's a certain stereotypes I think of people that are church people. Mm. So for us to come in and be maybe the counter to that, to just be real and to bring business to them, and I mean, they really appreciated that. They need the business, and I think they were happy to have us there. Absolutely. I, for me personally, I've been back to every vendor we went to last year. Me too. Um, and uh, and and loved experiencing them and being exposed to that. Um, our our vision for this year's keeping it local. Uh, is ultimately a more collaborative one. 
that we're coming together, uh, and the teams, we will still have teams, cool. the teams that we have uh, are in a scavenger hunt through the community, we'll go to new places, uh, and we will bring together um, a sense of who we are, a vision for who we are, um, and it will be important that we have the people that, so to speak, play the scavenger hunt so that the pieces of the kingdom of God can be gathered. But what, what's something you're looking forward to uh, this year? Well, a couple of things. Uh, the first thing is that last year, I, like, I didn't even know the Barbers last year. And when we went on this and got to ride around in a car with them all day, and now I consider them some of my greatest friends. Uh, and that's really cool. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. To, who am I going to meet in this year's Keeping It Local? I don't know. Yeah. But then we also have a small group that's not that small. So we're probably going to have to break up into a couple teams, but it'll be fun to also compete. Sorry, not compete. It'll be fun to also participate. Cooperate participate uh, as a small group and just kind of, you know, like, just do some fun things together. You know, that's fun. Yeah. Bring together not just those adults, but the, the families therein too. That's right. And engage them in that experience of experiencing the neighborhood. What a gift. Friends, would you thank Scott for his time this morning, his vulnerability. I know that was hard for you. <laughs> If you do want to join us for Keeping It Local, do know that uh, we'll find a spot for you. As, as you heard, some of the best relationships built as a part of a community event like this are not with the people you know and showed up with, uh, but by the people that you connect with as a part of that experience or with the teammates that you're matched with. We hope that you'll consider being a part of it. To finish up, talking about why and the who is my neighbor, how to be a neighbor, how to be a neighbor in a place like this in our amazing valley surrounded by hills, so many people, so many lives and opportunities and stories, it just almost overwhelms. I have a couple of ideas. The first is a sense of presence. Our hashtag here for good that you've heard referenced. I think this morning's sign says the Bible has a message for you today, and I believe that's true as well. Whatever our representation is here at this corner for its 50-year history, for the pastors who've served, for the laity who have served as lay servants in our midst, for the difference that we've made in our world, we have had a presence here. People have come to know us. Sometimes that's in relationship to something else. That's always been my pattern. As a pastor, people will say, oh, where's your church? And where do I say, this is the address? Because we're past that point of Thomas guiding or even knowing street numbers and names anymore. We just put it in our phone and go. Always some sort of cultural modifier. Los Altos Church, where Jerry's funeral was, was, oh yeah, we're that Methodist church that's tucked up against the freeway entrance there? Yeah, the city came in and in an eminent domain and took that part of the, the 405 going in. Oh yeah, I've seen you guys. When I was in Malibu, oh, we're the church that's just up from Zuma Beach, right towards the high school. I've seen you there on the corner. It's a frame of reference. In Simi Valley, you were the church that was across the street from Topper's Pizza. Oh, yeah, I had Topper's Pizza just the other night. I've seen your church. The last year, more often than not, what I'll say is, yeah, we're that fantastic church just across the street from Henry Mayo Hospital. Oh, yeah, right on the bend there. Our sense of presence extends beyond just what we say and who we do. It is where we are allows us to be those who dwell near. The second thing is this. It's not enough to be present. We must engage. It is okay to be here for good. It's essential to be there for good. To go out, to engage our community, 
It's indeed the witness and the pattern of Jesus in the scriptures. He sends his disciples out in the ministry of prayer two by two with simple gifts to knock the dust off their feet wherever they're not welcome to simply proclaim the gospel, the good news of God's kingdom in their midst. In Acts, he sends the disciples out to Jerusalem, Judea, and all of Samaria and the corners of the world in a power-infused, Holy Spirit-led ministry. And even by the time you get to the book of Revelation, when a new Jerusalem comes, when it seems that we have come back together, we are not sent out and engaged just as the band sang this morning. There's a mighty river that flows from that throne. And what does it do? It's for the healing of the nations. It engages the world even in New Jerusalem. And today and in the weeks to come is an opportunity for engagement. You've heard it again and again. Today is a Here for Good Sunday and there will be teams that are going to Santa Clarita Grocery that are making backpacks for asylum-seeking children that are making uh, sandwiches for Bridge to Home for lunch tomorrow and Tuesday. We are so excited to have that be a part of the pattern. We want to invite you into it. We're over there in the hall where we're going to have our coffee hour fellowship. Come and find a way to be involved right here on our campus. If you missed out on the opportunity for today, you heard it. Two weeks from now, we've got a community engagement event. It is a time of fellowship. It is a time of fun, cooperation, and even competition. But the joy of keeping it local is that we are together and we're engaging our community. You heard the big goal. We met it last year. We'll do it again. of Making 10,000 meals for Rise Against Hunger three weeks from now. This is a church that isn't just sitting back on its laurels and said, yes, we are here for good. We are also there for good, and we are making a difference in the world. Presence and engagement. And a third idea that really rings my bell is this. Love as. Love as. The number of times it comes up in Scripture. Love your neighbor as you love yourself. This relative sense of love as a powerful exchange of human commerce, of allowing us to know others and for others to know us, learning to love ourselves, but beyond that, learning to see our neighbors, our near dwellers as God sees them, and to love them as God loves them, and to love them as we love ourselves, because we know the love of God manifest in us. Fred Rogers put it this way, everyone longs to be loved. Do you remember that sensation? Maybe you feel like it's been satiated in you. Maybe it's something you cling to from a relationship that's fractured with a parent. Maybe your loving relationship with a spouse didn't work out like planned. Maybe your relationship with your children hurts. Maybe you're looking around at the people who long for love and connection. Maybe it's that neighbor who walks their dog by your driveway every night on their simple pattern. Everyone longs to be loved. And the greatest thing that we can do is to let people know that they are loved and that they are capable of loving. What a gospel witness from a guy with a King Friday puppet on his hand. Telling the world, telling our neighbors, telling all who need to hear it, not only are you loved, but you are capable of loving. Why do I know that? Because I have been loved by God, and I share it with you. You are loved, and boy, how do you are capable of loving. Let's get to that good work. Let's pray.